Into every generation, there is a show. That show alone can prove that feminism, kick-ass storytelling, and very interesting characters can all culminate in one very epic cult show. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Cue theme song. who are making this podcast and this podcast is called uh watcher cast and basically the point of this is for us to go through the entire show of buffy the vampire slayer and talk about our opinions um characters the themes the show is trying to convey and why they matter today and not just in the 90s like some people who watch this show thing seem to think it's not just a 90s time capsule uh like other shows can be this I feel like this show covers themes that are universal and that are important for us to know especially today and um the characters are just so fully rounded that I feel like a lot of shows sometimes neglect that amount of development and um symbolism in characters that's 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 about all I got in terms of smartness amazing but before we go any further I just want to make a quick disclaimer that um there will be spoilers, duh. I mean, I don't know how we can discuss this without spoilers. So, yes, there's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't watched Buffy, please turn this off now and go do that and then come back to us because we'd love to have you listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing we should probably say is that Hannah is a potty mouth. What the fuck are you saying? <laughs> and there probably will be some curse words. So if you are not comfortable with that, then sorry. Uh, That's... I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry too, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, if you're listening. I've just, I've let you down. <laughs> At least I'm not doing cocaine. Well, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> I'm not gonna do cocaine. Or am I? I gotta keep the listeners engaged. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so, well, in case you haven't figured it out yet, Hannah really loves the show. This show, um, yes, I'll give you a little bit of background. I started watching the show when I was in about, I'm gonna say fourth grade. Um, I walked in on my dad and my brother watching it. My brother is about three years older than me, and I was scared of everything back then. Like, Archie meets Dracula <laughs> scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I mean, Archie fucking dies. I mean, everything, everyone's saved by the end of it, spoilers. Uh, but, like, oh no. he, he dies for a good chunk of it. Right. And it scared me. I used to carry around garlic because <laughs> I thought Dracula was going to come for me. Um, but then I watched, uh, I walked in on the episode of um, Teacher's Pet 
which those of you who have seen the show would know why the fuck would I keep watching after that. Um, but it just, it became my, um, my great love. And ever since fourth grade, I've just been keep, I've just been re-watching it and, um, loving every episode. And every chance I get, I try to share my love with people, but often they don't really reciprocate, with the exception being the wonderful, the beautiful, the effervescent Lillian Garak. Aww. Thank you. Um... Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about my story with this show. Basically, uh, I started watching this show back in early high school. I was really started getting into the whole fandom scene back in middle school when I my first big thing was um, Doctor Who. Uh, I was a seventh, sixth or seventh grader, and a bunch of my friends were talking about it, and so I started watching it. And so it kind of just went down the rabbit hole from there, for lack of a better term. Um, <laughs> Because you like Alice. Yes, <laughs> we're sitting on my Alice in Wonderland comforter, and I'm saying that anyway. Uh, so it started with with um, Doctor Who, and then it moved on to shows like Torchwood and Sherlock and Supernatural and um, Star Trek, and of course Harry Potter's in there somewhere, and lots of other things too. So um, I started watching Buffy because a bunch of I've, my friends were talking about it, and I read about it on the interwebs, and I liked the concept of a girl who kicked butt, but was also, like, really feminine and, you know, would curl her hair and do her makeup and paint her nails. And I just, I thought that was such a unique concept, and I'd never heard of anything like that before. Um, so being a girl, that was really important to me. Um, so I started watching this show, and I got, like, two episodes in and then quit. Uh, I don't even exactly remember why, I just think something else caught my attention more. Um, I will say I regret that decision now. I probably should have just stuck with it. Probably. Um, but I came to college, uh, and I met the wonderful, beautiful Hannah Boyens. Yay. And, uh, she is borderline obsessed with the show. What do you mean, borderline? <laughs> I've crossed that border many moons ago. Um, and so her passion instilled in me that, okay, well... Maybe it is a good show and I should give it another try. So I gave it another try and here I am. Mm -hmm. um, we decided to um, make a podcast because we have a very unique situation. Well, I mean, not unique. Everyone, it's also, it's unique, but it's also universal. It's unique because it's happening to us, right. but it's universal because everyone's had that show that they absolutely fucking love, excuse me for my potty mouth, uh, <laughs> that they want to share with their friends. And it, usually they just like, oh, oh yeah, it's fine. But then occasionally you get that one wonderful person who just like shares your passion and you just can't wait for them to catch up on all the amazing plot developments that happen. Yeah. And we figured we'd record uh, as Lily watches through the show with me and get both of our opinions on what happened from someone who's seen the show several times uh, versus someone who has never seen the show before. Right. And we thought that would be a really unique experience um, for listeners to kind of get a comparison of... Um, Hannah's veteran perspective and my brand new, never before seen perspective um, of the show because Hannah's done all kinds of backstory research and she's watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff and listened to interviews with Joss Wheaton and I've literally done nothing except watch the show. So my knowledge is just from what I know from my life experience and what I know from watching the show and gathering uh, stuff that way. That's if you have thing. not, 
that's really amazing about you haven't been spoiled on the I have show not been spoiled on anything like at all none uh, no no plot points no big dramatic and I don't even know really what the musical episode's about I just know that there is one uh, which I still haven't gotten to yet but uh, <laughs> that's sure to be an interesting podcast um, yeah so let's get started so this episode is going to be about Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one episode one welcome to the hellmouth exactly. Um, so why don't we start off by talking a little bit about the plot. What's this episode about? Okay, this episode is, it's very interesting because it sort of takes place after the events of the movie, except the movie differs in several ways. The movie, originally Buffy the Vampire Slayer with Kirstie Swanson, uh, was released in 1992, and it was Joss Whedon's original script, um, and it got tampered with so much when it was being produced, that it started out as this really dramatic, like, flipping of horror tropes in high school, and then it ended up being kind of this teen comedy type thing, trying to be kind of like Fright Night. It didn't <laughs> yeah. really work out very well. Like, it's got about a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's about 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb, Metacritic is at 48%. I think it's a fun romp. It's very much a time capsule. That's the time capsule thing, if you want, like, to feel reminiscent. Right. It's okay. It's... There is a comic book out there that kind of reworks it into the show where it's like Buffy's uh, freshman year where she she is the top top of the high school click ladder or the pyramid or insert whatever metaphor <laughs> uh, you want. And she's like a cheerleader. She's a homecoming queen. She's rich. She's popular. And then one day an ancient prophecy calls her to be the chosen one, the slayer, who is destined to fight the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. And to each generation there is a slayer, one girl in all the world, to fight literally all the demons. Because that's fair. Um, so in Someone's bitter. Well, for God's sakes, it's, we'll talk about the politics of that a little later. Okay. Um, especially gender politics with that kind of... Yeah. Battle. But there's um, definitely some subtext there, but oh, yeah. that's a, that's another conversation. Another conversation. Anyway, uh, in her fight against evil, Buffy burns down the gym. Okay, yeah, that's another difference. In the movie, she does not burn down the school, and she is a senior. Right. But in the show, she was a freshman, and then she got expelled in the show. The, from now on, this will be all about the show. Okay. Oh, she got kicked out of her school. and then, burning down the gym. Yes. And then her mom... Her mother and father are divorced, and she lives with her mother, and Buffy and her mother move to Sunnydale, California, where Buffy's going to start a whole new life, and she's decided she's no longer going to slay vampires. And she, she came from L.A., right? Yes, she came from L.A., Hemery, Hemery yes. High. Um, she just wants to have a normal life, be caught up with the trends, get popular, but then, <laughs> surprise, surprise, uh, Buffy's watcher. By the way, I'm going to define what a Watcher is right now. With the Slayer, there is also the Watcher. Uh, the Watchers train the Slayers for the battle against evil, and they know all this demon mythology, and this uh, particular Watcher uh, is named uh, Giles, Rupert Giles, and he is textbook nerd scholar. We love our Giles. Giles is like Dad. Not like Dad. You're right. Giles is Dad. Giles is so dad, and not daddy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thank you for Not that to be confused. No, <laughs> so if you're into that, there is a fanfic out there for oh, you. Oh, no, I please. I am sure. Please don't. <laughs> Do not. Oh, uh, please don't. He's just, he's a big, 
British teddy bear. He's played by Anth- the immaculate Anthony Stewarthead. Oh, gosh. Which I guess now he just goes by Anthony Head. He does. Which is odd growing up knowing him as Anthony Stewart. Well, he's still a perfect human being. Yes. And I love him with all of my heart and soul. Yes. Especially when he plays Giles. Um, so, uh, yeah. yes, so we meet Giles, and he is the librarian at Sunnydale High School. Yep. And, um... He's the one who, like, says, Buffy, you can't walk away from your calling, it's your destiny, you're literally the one, there's not, like, a backup plan. Yes, there's no one else, there is only you. Although there is kind of a backup plan, when each Slayer dies, the next one is called. Yes, so, I mean, they could just kill Buffy. They could. But then we would have no show. Right. Or, like, it would be, like, Teresa the Vampire Slayer. Or <laughs> Jane the Vampire Slayer. Congrats, we had Buffy for one episode. You couldn't even keep her for a whole season. Or Joan the Vampire Slayer. Or Helen. Helen. <laughs> Helen! Or Which also Hannah. brings us to the next, uh, oh, Hannah the Vampire Slayer. Oh! Oh! <laughs> Just we did really, get Would you that. really want to do that, though? Would I really want to fight demons? Yes. I mean, I do it every day in my brain. It would be nice to kind of have superpowers and punch literal things alongside And now it. we're getting into the meta without meaning to. Right? The plot! Okay, so Slayer dies, next one is called. Right. Uh, Buffy... That's the, that's the small print at the bottom of the contract. Right. The fine print. I couldn't remember the word fine print at fine the bottom of the contract. Fine print. Okay. But anyway, Buffy tra- meets all these new students at Sunnydale High School. She meets the the resident popular girl, uh, Cordelia. Cordelia Chase. Uh, she is initially warm and welcome to Buffy because she sees she has a, a sense of style. She's from L.A., so she's hip. <laughs> she's hip to the young'uns. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what being from LA, why being from LA makes you hip, but like literally every movie, if you're from LA, like think about Legally Blonde. Yes. Like Elle Woods is from LA. Yeah, well that's, that's where a lot of like the pop culture things originate, right? I guess so. It's like where movies are made. I'm from the other coast, so like that doesn't mean anything to I'm, me. I'm from Iowa. <laughs> I was All we say. have is corn and haunted houses. And snow. And snow! Oh, And football! And football! <laughs> okay, we're getting off track again. All right. Uh, but, and then she meets Willow, who is uh, the kind of techie, nerdy uh, girl who's kind of just fades into the background. But she right. is the smartest, most adorable Easily person. The smartest, but, yeah. like, she's easy to pick on because she's very shy. Um, so we meet the, Cordelia, we meet Willow, Willow and we meet Xander. Xander. And Xander is. The class clown, the funny guy. He's kind of an idiot, but he's also very perceptive when he wants to be. Yes, and he actually can be very smart. He can. He's a little bit of every. Yeah, he's he's, he's not your every man. No, he's no, no. But he's he's kind of Joss Whedon said his uh, high school self insert. Like each of the characters has a part of him. Right. Like he talked about how Giles is kind of uh, himself when he went to study in England, and then Xander is himself in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's just kind of the typical. Well, it's not very typical, because he does, like, his two best friends at that time are, like, not very, okay, so maybe he is the typical high school boy. He's, he's not very popular. He's, not very popular. He's not very nice. He's struggling with masculinity. And he immediately falls head over heels in love with Buffy. And he has a flock of seagulls haircut. Oh my gosh. I think. <laughs> I, I could be wrong if I. I it's fluffy. It? It's fluffy. It's 90s fluff. Played by the wonderful Nicholas Brendan. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and the, all of the cast is so good. This show is is honestly perfectly cast. It's really funny because um, most of the casting decisions were made. The only casting decision that was made right away was Anthony Stewart had his Giles. Right. Um, well, didn't um, Buffy Sarah Michelle Geller came in for Cordelia? Right. Yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller uh, originally auditioned for Cordelia because that's like she's been in some horror movies before. Like, right. Uh, she kind of played the prom queen or something in I Know What You Did Last Summer. She right. was the screaming ah girl in Scream Two. She's done some horror. Um, which makes it so funny that she ended up being the perfect Buffy. Yeah. She is so good. Oh my gosh. I mean, I honestly cannot picture anybody else in that role except for her. Right? Even Christy Swanson, like, I feel like she's more... She has she has dimensions, I guess, but... And again, you do have more opportunity to explore a character in a television show than you do in a movie. Absolutely. I mean, it's not fair for me to call judgment. Right. And but, you haven't even seen the movie yet, so I don't think you are. No, but I just... I just... I try, like, even if I tried to picture somebody else in that role, she's just so perfect. Mm -hmm. And I told you this the other day, I was Googling pictures of something, and a picture of her came up as, um... Daphne? Daphne in Scooby-Doo, and I went, what is Buffy doing here? And you can definitely see the influences of Buffy. Oh, she's Daphne. Oh. (laughs) You can definitely see the influences of Buffy in the Scooby-Doo movie, because Daphne can also kick ass, which I... It's been a long time since I've seen the cartoon show, but I do not remember Daphne knowing jujitsu. I know. Well, the whole part of the the movie where she uses the powder Mm -hmm. to um, open the cage... Yes. Like, I was like, that is such a Buffy thing to do! (laughs) I was just thinking about that the other day. I was like... There is a part, I know, in the movie where she kind of uses that aspect of femininity against her vampire opponent. Mm -hmm. It's done much better in the comic book. That's like, there is a version of the movie that's, like, adapted to fit the show that I highly recommend. It's very good. Right. And it, like, there are certain plot holes in the movie that you're like, why the fuck would the character do that? That's so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. It's because they kind of sacrificed story to make, like, a dumb gag. Right. So, the first episode is a first episode. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a drag. Uh, it's yeah. interesting, but like, you know, you're biased. I am biased. I didn't. I actually didn't watch the pilot for a very long time. Well, is this? I this wouldn't actually be considered the pilot. I don't think. No, it's not the pilot. I'm sorry. If you want to see the pilot, it is on YouTube. It's something. That's another casting decision. Willow was um, actually a different actress um, mm. until they brought in Allison Hannigan, and a lot of people are apparently were very rude. To the original Willow online, which oh, rude no. people online. Oh, blasphemy! Ugh. When but, does that ever happen? Yeah, but Never. I still think uh, Allison Hannigan did such a great job that people can't even picture Mm-mm. a different Willow. No, I mean it's she's the same as the rest of the cast. I mean they're just all they're just all perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then they're in such lovable, well written roles too. I mean, and the characters are so so three dimensional and just. Well, the first episode, I think, is sort of starting to say at least what the show is kind of, its intentions are, at least its initial intentions. Because, right. like, the first scene is a boy and a girl who are, like, looking to have a makeout session. Right, right. Lurking around the high school at night, and they hear a strange sound, and the girl's like, what was that, Jimmy? I know his name's not Jimmy. I don't know. I, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he, he, she's like, what was that? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, it was just, I didn't hear anything. It was just, it was just the sound of my throbbing erection. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, um but and I but the even the way the show starts out is such a plot twist because like you think he's going to be the one she's going to be the one that bites it. 
Yeah, she thinks she's gonna die because she's the she's the one that bites him. Yep, Buffy, and it's great from the it's beginning. Awesome. The show sets out to subvert your expectations. Absolutely, within the first five minutes, not even, mm-hmm. you know. But for somebody who like, you know, I'm a big dork already. I love sci-fi. I love fantasy. So, and I already knew I would like this show. So I was already a little bit bought in. But for somebody who is brand new and like not really into this genre anyway. Um, I can understand, I'm really trying to sell here, I can understand why the first episode might be a little difficult to get through, because, you know, but it, it, we have to think, keep in mind, it's the first episode of a brand new show that was also a mid-season replacement. For Savannah, For Savannah. Yes. Um, it, which, it, who remembers Savannah? <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, I, that's not saying anything against the show, I've just, I've never seen, like, big fan blogs about it or anything. No. Maybe that's because I... What was it even about? I don't Savannah? Yeah. The Savannah. Maybe it's just like that Lion King montage for like 20 hours. <laughs> well, no, but... <laughs> uh, I mean, the title card is like a beach, right? With sailboats and stuff? Yeah, that's pretty much... I know it was... Buffy usually came on after Dawson's Creek, so maybe it was oh. kind of like Dawson's Creek, but maybe. they figured it was too like too much like Dawson's Creek, so they canceled it. I don't know. Meteor. Dawson's Creek was definitely more popular. But the show, Buffy, since it was a mid-season replacement, this first season was definitely on a shoestring budget. For sure. I mean, the budget is very limited, but what they do with a limited budget is so impressive. Well, let's just talk about, like, uh, how they change the vampire mythology from the... Yeah. Yes. It, so, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with vampire mythology, you know, you've got your normal garlic, um, wooden stake through the heart, you've got your crucifix... Fire. Um, fire, right. Decapitation. Uh, sunlight, decapitation. That is all the ways. Holy water. Holy water, right. All the things that are bad for vampires. Um, you've got, they drink your blood, and if you drink some of their blood, you become a vampire. As Buffy said, uh, do you want to, like, should I impersonate it, or can we insert a clip? I mean, you can impersonate it if you want. I'm not going to stop For you to you. turn into a vampire, you have to suck their blood. And then, no, they have to suck your blood. And then you have to suck their blood. It's a whole big sucking thing. Mostly, they're just going to kill you. <laughs> my, I'm so sorry. My impressions are terrible. It's fine. It was good. Yay. So, yes. So, he, they, that's basically, like, the general... Oh, they sleep in coffins. That's the stereotype, yes. They always have fangs all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They look... Most of the vampire things I've seen, like Dracula, they look pretty normal. And then, like, when they're about to bite, like, they all of a sudden... Ah, I guess. my canines have grown well, to but immense it's, proportions. But it's also just their teeth, too. Well, yeah. That change. So, what, what I'm trying to get at here is that yeah, Buffy does teeth. a lot of things... To change the lore a little bit. So, like, for example, the vampires have a whole face shift. Yeah. So they go from looking like completely normal humans to having this, like, grotesque, goblin-esque, like, gargoyle face along with their fangs. Yes, gargoyle face. The the makeup is is really cool. It is. And just the way it kind of, they show how it shifts. The first first episode, it's very quick. Like, sometimes they, they don't want you to see the transition because they haven't quite gotten it yet. Or the, the technology really wasn't there in 1993. Right. 1997. Seven. Um, wow. Why did I say that? Because the movie uh, came out in 1992. Thank you. So it was probably, you thought, like, yes. pretty soon after that. No. I knew it was um, 97 because that was the year we were both born. Yeah. Uh, another difference between the show is that and most vampire mythology, is that the vampires, once you kill them, they turn to dust, which is, a right, uh, there's no body to deal with. It's very convenient. It is very convenient, especially from a filmmaking perspective, because 
it, you don't have to, like, have the characters go out and dig all the <laughs> graves and throw them in there, because that's just very boring. Well, Even though Joss yeah. Whedon creates such vivid characters that they could literally just sit around talking for an entire episode, and I would love it. Right. Which I... They've done that. Oh! Sometimes. I mean, there's always monsters. There's always monsters, but there's great dialogue bits. Yeah, for sure. Um, lots of, lots of quotey, snippy one-liners. Yes, Buffy has some of the best dialogue and most timeless dialogue, which sometimes you wouldn't know from season one, because some of it is very dated. Oh my gosh, okay, wait, so the story that Hannah didn't tell you is the fact that her dad made her watch the show like it was coming out on TV. Oh, with, yeah! With mid-season hiatus, so she couldn't watch it during the summer. Yeah, my dad had every seasons one through three on uh, DVD, and I wasn't even supposed to watch it, so we just watched one episode a week, and then have, like, several months between seasons, which those of you who have seen the show before know that seasons, between seasons two and three, sucked. It sucked. Just terribly. Yeah, and that's another thing, a way our um, experiences are different is because I, like, just binged it all on Netflix. I watched the first three seasons that way, and then um, the rest of the show got a little too mature, he thought, for me. And then when I grew up and found Netflix, um, I just watched the rest by myself. Right. So I've kind of binged seasons four through seven. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of more differences in the vampire mythology. Oh, oh the soul thing. Oh, yeah, vampires are creatures without souls. And according to Joss Whedon in the text of the show, the soul is a moral compass. And without that moral compass, you are incapable of uh, develop development or maturing. Mm -hmm. uh, so vampires kind of symbolize... Uh, but blocks. not to be confused with incapable of feeling because they are very capable of having emotions and feelings. Oh, yeah. Even without their souls. Oh, yeah, you can feel anger, love hate. But they're also, these are all emotions you feel selfishly. Mm. You you really have not a big concept of empathy. But these um, soulless creatures kind of stay, that have no way of morally developing sort of represent, they don't sort of represent, they do represent uh, literal personal demons that Buffy has to overcome in order to become a successful, happy, healthy adult. Right. Or at least an adult. An adult at all. Yeah. Successful, healthy, and happy. Mm. We'll see. <laughs> um, this is just episode one, people. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of vampire lore that they mix in later. But I know... Um, but it's very um, interesting. Also, Joss Whedon wanted the vampires to turn to dust because it would look weird that Buffy was just like... It, looked, it would look like Buffy was killing people. Right. And... And I mean, especially is, that's also not. why they have the gargoyle face. Right. So that it doesn't look like she's killing people. Right. Because she's not. I mean, she's killing monsters. Yeah. You know, and they don't, we want to empathize with Buffy. We don't want to feel like she's, like, be demonized by her. Right. We don't want to feel like, I don't want to root for this person. Right. she's our hero. Exactly. She's supposed to be, anyway. Um, there's one character we also haven't talked about yet. Jesse. Right? No one remembers Jesse. <laughs> I was gonna say. He's the, um, he's the, uh, original third member of Willow and Xander's little gang. They grew up together, but seem to forget about him quite quickly. He's their pal. He really has no, he's like Xander, really. Except boring here. <laughs> Which is not his fault. It's not the actor's fault. It's just, like, they needed a character death to show 
that once a person becomes a vampire, whatever is left, like, that person is no longer your friend. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a demon that's taken over their body. Well, after, after we uh, establish that Buffy has moved to Sunnydale High School and she's trying to start over away from uh, the Slayer life, we pan down below the school to the Hellmouth. The Hellmouth is a location where mystical energy uh, from below the high school, mystical energy converges. Bad mystical energy, by the way. No, no angels or supernatural type. Supernatural is in the show, not like, you know what I mean. Uh, so demons, stuff, they all are drawn Basically to Sunnydale. No, and no good bad guys. And the big bad of season one is the master. The big bad is the <laughs> overarching villain of the season, which Buffy is known for having one villain per se one main villain per season. There's he is tons of sub-villains, too. Ugly. Anyway, the master is supposedly the oldest of all vampires. He He's kind of the OG, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why he's the vamp master of vampires. He just lived the longest, I guess. He won. Original kicks. <laughs> So he was drawn to the Hellmouth's mystical energy, and he, I think, was massacring a church, or he got stuck in a church somehow during an earthquake, and it sunk below the earth, and he stuck there in the Hellmouth. Mm -hmm. And so he has to have his servants go out and try to break him out. Like, his main servant in these first two episodes is Luke. Luke is also ugly. <laughs> they're, all, they're all pretty ugly. Yeah, Darla at least, ha her human face is pretty. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, he has um, his minions, Darla and Luke, go... No, Luke doesn't do this, sorry. Uh, he has his minions, Darla and Disco Stew, I'm gonna call him. I know he's not... I don't know. They go out and they need to bring the master food. So they bring back Willow and Jesse. Of course they do. Uh, which Buffy has already befriended Willow and Xander and... Not Jesse. Not... Jesse's just there, come on. And she goes and saves Willow, because Jesse, we but need a token Jessie. death right. that will pretend has meaning, but we all know deep down <laughs> we're gonna forget it. <laughs> I actually had to rack my brain trying to remember who you were talking about, because I was like, wait, who? Jesse! How, how do you remember this? Because I don't. Because, yeah, Buffy fights the vampires, and Luke reveals that there is a plan to release the master from his prison. Right. And the episode, first episode ends on a cliffhanger of Luke attacking Buffy. Right. And so, basically, that's the end of the episode. And so, the, the plot is picked up in the next episode. But, before we get there, you forgot to mention the most important thing. We meet a mysterious man. Oh! Dressed in all black. Oh! We don't know who he is, and all new watchers all we know are is... very confused. Oh. Because he gives Buffy a gift. A cross necklace. A silver cross. Which is another thing that harms vampires. Oh, right. Forgot to mention that. Silver is never really a big thing in the show. They never really talk about it that no, much. No, they don't. Except with... With other monsters, yeah. because, like, other demons besides vampires, like, you can only kill them with silver bullets or silver knives or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's... But vampires, I think it's a little more... I don't think silver hurts vampires. Vampires, it's typically... No, that just burns them. It's like holy water. Yeah. I know that's, that's part of the... You can't kill them with silver, but it yeah, hurts but, their skin. Yeah, but in the show, does it? I don't think so. See, that's the thing. I think that's where it defers. 
Which is another thing. Um, I don't think it had. I don't think the silver has anything to do with it. I think just the fact that it's a crucifix. Yeah, that's that's what really hurts Mainly. them. But anyway, this man emerges from the shadows. Buffy <laughs> kicks the crap out of him because when creepy men follow you, it's not attractive. Um, but anyway, he gives her a moral gift. Moral of the story. No. <laughs> and says, you know, you're standing at the mouth of hell. Shit's about to go down. Please help. Basically, do your job. You can trust me because I'm hot. <laughs> and I'm creepy. And I gave you a gift. That's another interesting casting story. David Boreanaz, who plays this mysterious man. Which he's also on Bones. He is on no Bones No one now. thought to tell me that. I, most people know Bones of, ahead of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, no. But anyway, he the script descri- describes this man as the most attractive person in the world. <laughs> and they couldn't really find that man because... You know, attraction comes in all different shapes and sizes. Right. Uh, but this one, <coughs> one I, producer. I think he's attractive. What? I think he's attractive. I do too. He was my first crush. Cool. Um, Continue. Uh, one female producer saw this guy walking his dog along her block, and it was David Boreanaz, and she brought him in for an audition. He wasn't really the most. He wasn't like a seasoned actor. He, like he didn't do Shakespeare or anything. <laughs> Uh, but Joss Whedon was like, okay, so are you, sh- is this guy seriously the hottest guy in the world? And, like, everyone in the room was like, yeah. And he was like, fine, let's hire him. And they did! <laughs> da, 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 and da, he's da, da, really hot. good. Yeah, he's pretty good. So, let's talk about, um, themes for this episode. Themes for this episode. I mean, it's, 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 there's not a whole lot, because it's the very beginning. It's really just about establishing the characters and who they are. Sort of. Like, the the beginning state. Right. Like, they're interesting enough that you want to see where they'll go, but they're also developed enough so that you know who they are, basically. Like, you know Buffy... Buffy wants, wants friends. She wants to fit in. She wants to have a normal life. But also, if she sees danger, she's not gonna just let people die. Right. She's still sticking to her guns. You see, Cordelia's a bitch. That's... That's... That's all there is to say about that. Pretty much. I, essentially, no one really likes Cordelia, but, you know. She well, gets better. At the beginning, I mean. Yeah, at the beginning, she's a bitch. Yeah. That's really all there is uh, to so it. She's, what's, she's a play on the high school trope of, like, just the mean girl. Well, yes, but they all are plays on a trope of some kind that gets twisted. Oh, yeah, for and sure. And that's really the whole concept of what makes this show great, is that it's tropes and mm-hmm. things that we know and recognize, but twisted and flipped around into a completely different way that you never expected it to go before. Well, one thing that this first season is all about, it's about Buffy accepting her destiny as the Slayer. Right. Like, she, realizing that there is no... You can't just walk away from it. It's part of who you are. It's part of your destiny. Right. And this first episode is kind of her in her most resistant to it. Mm-hmm. Like, there are other moments in this season, but this is the one where she's like, no, absolutely not. I do not want to be a part of this. Um... And she kind of makes out Giles to be the enemy. Right. Sort of. She doesn't, like, go out and hunt him or anything. <laughs> but she just wants to be left alone to have a normal life. Right. With Which her mom. people, like... Do we meet Joyce in this episode? We do meet Joyce in this episode. Okay, Joyce is important, too. Joyce is amazing. She's the best mom. This show is also really good because Love it has Joyce. a very strong mother-daughter relationship. Yes. Which I feel like is often sacrificed for father-daughter relationships or father-son relationships, or which are valid, too. Or even sacrificed for drama. I mean, how often in shows is there, like, mother-daughter drama? Like, all the time. Mm -hmm. Moms and daughters always hate each other. It's awful. 
Or they just don't care. The or they just don't, don't care. care. Which, I mean, like, my mom and I have an amazing relationship, and I love my mom yeah. a lot. And so it's really awful to always see TV shows and movies that, like, have really miserable mother-daughter relationships. Or they just, like, they're absent completely. <laughs> right. There's no mom at all. I mean, I, mean, I guess the same, the same could be said for, fa- mother, for da- father-daughter relationships. I can't speak. Or, or father-son or mother-son, you know, but... I don't know, there's just, as a daughter, there's something really important to me about a relationship between a mom and her daughter. Yeah, and I will say this, like, I mean, Joyce Summers isn't mom of the year, but she's trying. She She is trying. I mean, she just went through a divorce, for God's sake. Like, let's give her a break. That poor woman. Yep. She goes through so much. Oh, the other thing that new, new watchers should know, I mean, I guess if you've watched the episode, you know this already, but Joyce has no idea about Buffy being the Slayer. Buffy needs a secret identity, which is why she's very frustrated when people keep figuring out that she's the Slayer. Like, Xander figures it out because he overhears her and Giles talking about it. Willow figures out due to the fact of being saved by the Slayer. Uh. Yes. And so she's she's trying, because, you know, the Slayers have been advised not to let people know except their Watchers because it's dangerous otherwise. It puts people in danger. Um, which is why most Slayers don't have friends, which is another thing that makes Buffy really different, is that she makes friends with people. She does. Um, this episode, she's still trying to make those connections, because she is a right. new kid. That's true. But, I mean, we but all she... know what happens eventually. There's seven seasons of this stuff. Yes, she shows a lot of empathy because she approaches Willow, even though it's initially, like, she hears, like, oh, you're the smart person, um, so will you help me? But she also, she treats her very well, despite, like... Well, I think Cordelia reaching out to her initially right. and, like, warning her to stay away from the losers, quote-unquote. But the other thing is that Buffy's been raised right, and she's smart, yeah. and she knows how to pick out a well, jerk when she sees one. I could yes, but she also said, this is kind of later on, but she admits, like, earlier in her high school days, she was a lot like Cordelia. Oh, yeah, but, I, I mean, she being, grew out of that. Well, being forced to look look on from the outside looking right. in uh when you have a destiny that kind of makes you seem odd and freakish well and you have to save people all the time yeah you have to save people it's going to force you to look at things from a different perspective right but i mean you know she she buys into cordelia's rhetoric at first and then eventually realizes that cordelia is queen bitch and <laughs> yeah well that's one thing when she's hunting vampires cordelia accidentally sneaks up on her and Buffy, like, almost takes her, which is not usually a good first impression to make. Not necessarily, actually. And then Cordelia, what is your damage? What's your childhood trauma? Ah. <laughs> uh. I love Cordelia. Ah. Uh. Okay, so favorite part of this episode. My favorite part of this episode is I do really like two moments. One where she first introduces herself to Willow. And she shows herself to be a very uh, compassionate person. And they just have this spark where that you can tell it's going to be a very good friendship. Mm-hmm. And then Xander and Jesse comes along. And Xander makes his little jokes. Like, when he returns Buffy's steak, all I can think is you're making a really little fence. <laughs> um, and the other second part is when she uh, has the vampires in the crypt. And they're almost about to kill Willow and Jesse. And she starts quipping and, like, starts kicking some ass. Um, so those are my two favorite moments. It just shows, like... Bits of character being developed. Right. And someone once compared this to a great symphony, where it was The Passion of the Nerd, which I would highly recommend checking out his Buffy guide as well. It's it's immaculate. Where it's like a symphony tuning up, where you, you hear all the instruments, and you can tell there's going to be a sound that's about to be produced. And, you know, 
You're ready. You're seated down and you're ready. You're ready for that sound. You're seated. You're seated down. You're seated down. You're seated. <laughs> Grammar is non-existent at this point. All right, well... What about you? What was your favorite moment? Oh, gosh. Um, You're important to you. Well, the problem is I'm not sure if I can pinpoint a favorite moment. Um, because I really just think this is a very good first episode in general. Um, the whole thing is great. I love the scene where she meets Angel, mostly just because that, that I will say, was one of the things that really caught my attention. Um my interest because I wanted to know who this strange guy was mm -hmm. and so I feel like that was one of the things that convinced me to keep watching um Willow definitely is my favorite character um so you know seeing this quiet nerdy girl I went they're gonna do something to her and I can't wait to see what happens so I got excited about that and Giles is amazing that's one thing. We are also introducing a segment called Dad Moments, where we oh list our favorite Giles moments. <laughs> okay, my favorite Giles moment for this episode is when he is Im slightly impressed by how Buffy um, identifies the vampire in the crowd of the bronze because right. of his fashion his sense. Fashion. <laughs> which also shows that she is very astute. She is, she's very bright, but in her own way. Yes. She's not bright in Giles' way. No, or Willow way. Or Willow's way, but I, but she is she is she's made her own way, mm -hmm. and I just think that's so clever, and it takes Giles by such a surprise. You know what? Now that you say that, that's my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> I forgot that that was in this episode. She she go she like talks about his '70s shirt and his hairstyle and yeah, deal with that outfit for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely it. That's the one. That's another thing. The lingo of the show is just fun. Oh my gosh, the way it's written is so great. Yes. And I just think it's a very unique concept that answers all the questions like, why doesn't Buffy go around the world fighting these demons? Well, because the demons are drawn to the Hellmouth. Um, <laughs> due to the mystical energy beneath it. Mm, yes. Uh, what else? Just, like, how, how would Buffy even know how to fight these things? Well, because there's a watcher who shows her how to fight the demons. Yes. Oh, there's the whole scene where, um, when Buffy and Giles first meet, and Buffy is like, I'm not killing anymore. Mm -hmm. And she's like, why don't you do it? And he's like, uh, do you not understand what a watcher means? Slayer slays. A watcher watches. No, he trains her. Which... And then she goes on this whole rant about how she's been kicked out of school. Yeah. And she has an emotional breakdown and everyone Which you get, and people are like, oh, why wouldn't you want superpowers? It's like, because, contrary to popular belief, honestly, superpowers probably would suck in a normal environment. Because oh my god, you Principal would... Flutie. Oh, Principal Flutie. I forgot about Principal Flutie. Okay, there's also one scene besides Principal Flutie who is just... He's like a giant mouse. <laughs> he's just trying to be this nurturing, progressive principal. Yes. Good for him, I guess. Good for him, kind of. And there's one scene where the body falls out of the locker with these two actresses who are just... Giving a very odd performance. <laughs> but I heard from Gina in the calf that she got, like, kicked out. Nay. Gosh, she was starting fights. Negly. What the fuck was that word? Negly? Is that what it sounds like? Is that, like, a thing? I don't know. I've watched the show for, um, I was like, what, ten? Nine years. I've watched the show for nine years. I have no idea what they said. I just know that, like, a second later... 
the body falls out of the locker onto the girl and she starts screaming. And I notice, as she shoves him off her, she takes the time to fix her hair <laughs> while screaming. That scene. Mm. <laughs> Me, though. That was the thing that reminded me the most of, like, the original movie, where, like, like it's like all the characters are like that in the movie. What the hell? Negly! I love the scene when the dead body falls out of the locker, and Cordelia's like, it's totally dead. Totally dead. Like, and, way dead. And Xander's like, so... Not just a little, little dead, dead. dead. <laughs> Alright, so, I think that about wraps it up. Yeah, basically, this episode comes down to introducing characters, uh setting up the basic mythology and mm-hmm. kind of setting the horror in high school idea of the first season. Right, and of course it starts the arc of the whole season. Yeah, and accepting your role as the Slayer, which the season is a metaphor for accepting uh, the changes that come with growing up. Right. And and the changes of of even just the four years of high school. Oh yeah. In general, and, and on. Um, so, it's a good show. Um, and you should watch it. If we haven't convinced you already, hopefully you will listen to the next episode and we'll convince you some more! Yes, come back and talk to us, send us messages if you'd like to hear us talk about an issue or something, or if you disagree with us on anything, please, like, disagree in a very nice way. Oh, yes. You are welcome to disagree with us. Um, everything we have to say is completely our own opinion. Yes. Constructed from our brains and coming out of our mouths, so... Civility never hurt anyone, though. No, of course. Please don't be rude. Yeah, I think that's everything. Yes, it is. All right, so thank you so much for listening to WatcherCast, and we'll see you next time. At the Hellmouth. At the Hellmouth. Which the next episode we will be doing is The Harvest, the second part to this uh, two-parter series opening. It is a two-parter. All right, bye! Thanks for listening! Bye! This podcast is brought to you by Lunar Light Studio. Please support our network and our products by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, Tumblr, and SoundCloud, and donating to our Patreon. We're just a bunch of college kids trying to bring our ideas to life, and any support you can give us is much appreciated. Also, if you liked this podcast, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes for us and tell your friends about it. Who knows, we might even give you a shout-out. Finally, Thank you so much for listening to Watch Your Cast. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode.